All of life is clay in the hands of the potter. He holds the good and the bad, the beautiful and the ugly, the upright and the disgraceful. The remarkable thing about the Father is that He is able to take all of the pieces of life and work them into a unique masterpiece. When all I am encounters the great I am, the result is transformation, blessings, life. pray with me. Would you pray with me? Lord, we do. We turn our eyes to you. And we ask, God, that as we focus on you, you would solidify in our hearts and our souls that you are our greatest treasure, that you are our greatest desire, that we find our sufficiency in you. And, and Lord, would you reign in our lives today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I have um, quite the challenge in front of me. I am preaching on Mother's Day out of a passage that has to do with polygamy. Pray for me. In fact, it's even a little bit deeper than that. It's not only it's about polygamy, but it's sort of a um, sister wives meets desperate housewives meets intervention. Okay, so that's really where we're going this morning. If you've been with us over the last few weeks, you know that we have been studying the life of, of Jacob, one of the great patriarchs of the Hebrew faith. And, and he's one of the more unheroic heroes in all of the scriptures. If you've been looking for glimmers of hope or uh, shy, shouts of light in the story, you've been left wanting over the last few weeks. We started this journey saying that Jacob was sort of born second fiddle. He was the second born in a firstborn society. He was, um, unlike his brother, he was a sort of a gatherer. His brother was the more manly hunter. Because of that, his brother was loved by his father. And in a patriarchal society, that was a really good thing. Jacob found himself uh, more loved by his mother, which didn't help him out a whole lot. Uh, he, he, as if you've been here over the last few weeks, you know, we've talked about the way that he sort of swindled a birthright out of his brother Esau. He lied to his father and stole a blessing that was meant and intended for his brother. That didn't work out all of that well. And so he, after he stole the blessing, his mother says, you should probably go live with your crazy uncle Laban, who Josh Billings did a great job introducing us to over the last uh, two weeks ago. He goes to live with crazy uncle Laban. It's a 700 mile walk up to his uncle. The only person more shady in the narrative of Jacob is his uncle Laban. And it's as though when the narrator of Genesis is writing this story and recording it for us, there's almost a chuckle in the writing as Jacob leaves his home in Beersheba to go up to Haran to encounter his counterpart in shadiness and swindling Uncle Laban. And it's Uncle Laban who we're picking up in the story. He's going to visit and see Uncle Laban. If you have a Bible, Genesis 29 is where we're going to be camping out most of our time today. Genesis 29, starting in verse 1, Jacob is, is on his way to go and to see and to hopefully live with his uncle. That would be his desire. Starting in verse 1, it says, And then Jacob went on his journey, and he came to the land of the people of the east. He, look up, he looked up and he saw a well in the field. And behold, there were three flocks of sheep lying beside it. 
For out of that well the flock were watered. The stone on the well's mouth was large, and when all of the flocks gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put the stone back on and place it over the mouth of the well. Do you get the picture? Jacob approaches this well. There's, there's three sort of flocks of 